Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Culligan of Lincoln on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back here on the Ticket Water Cooler. Uh, some surprising news from the wrestling world, if you do care. Vince McMahon, Vinny Mac, steps down. He's retiring. Uh, he's been a little bit of hot water as of late, so maybe non-coincidentally there. But uh, I thought I'd throw that out there just as uh, the news hits. Uh, but we have Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald set to join us here on the Ticket Water Cooler on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Evan, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. Coming in on a Friday. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing that. It's uh, usually our, our guest on the block on a Wednesday, but it's the summer months, so we've uh, we've shuffled some things around, uh, and we've got, uh, got some stuff coming up later with Strick. He's at a golf event, and uh, he's just going to randomly bring people in, so I thought maybe best to get you in early. And uh, you're a good get today because you just had a, a very interesting article about something new that I don't think a lot of people understand at this point, and that's the Big Red Fan Club. Uh, kind of explain what's going on there and uh in in and i guess how unique it is to nebraska or or how uh kind of the rest of the nation is is approaching this stuff as well yeah i mean you know the the nil stuff it's kind of crazy right like it's a little a little bit more than a year old now and the first year there was a lot of uh, feeling out that went on a lot of trying to figure out what's legal what's not legal We've seen all sorts of different things. So for Nebraska, one of the new things coming out now is something called the Big Red Fan Club, which, um, you know, I thought even just its story of its creation was sort of an example of of how in flux the NIL world is. This was something that was created or conceived, I suppose, uh, about four or five months ago by a couple of Nebraska business students who really didn't have a ton of sports background, but they felt like that uh, they could create sort of a platform for Nebraska players to um, create some content that they could put out and then that they would interact with fans. And so what this thing is, uh, what sets it apart from a lot of other collectives, including ABM, which is Nebraska's primary collective, is that uh, this particular one is player-led. So so players, um, they can decide kind of how much they want to interact with fans. They can decide... Uh, you know, whether that comes in an online setting, if that comes in person. And what fans do is they buy yearly passes. It's yet to be determined where they get access to all of that different stuff. And so that's different from ABM, which is more of a, of a booster-centered deal where businesses and boosters funnel money um, into this collective, and then that's divvied out players just through sort of whatever activity might be made available. So I think maybe one of the better ways to describe it is, is with the big red fan club, the the activities are a little bit more primary of a focus. And so, uh, you know, if you're a fan and you want to, um, you know, ask questions to Husker players or maybe meet up with them at different sort of events, this is something um, that would probably be of interest. So that's set to launch in a week or two here. It looks like as they figure some things out, but um, man, in this ever-changing NIL landscape, this is just another option for players to be compensated and for fans to be, you know, a little closer to the team that they love. Evan, uh, kind of sticking on the NIL conversation, 
a, a lot of fans and, and media members do it too. We kind of throw schools out there like the Alabamas, Clemsons, Nebraska will be thrown in this group. Schools that are going to benefit off of NIL. Obviously, it, it hasn't been around long enough for us to actually quantify that and be able to tell how much it's going to benefit Nebraska. When do you think we'll actually know for sure which schools are the ones that are really benefiting off of this? Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, I don't know that we will, not in a not in a clear way, because so many of these transactions are private, right? Like it's right. it's it's a financial transaction between an individual and a player, and either a you know an individual fan or maybe a private business. And so this isn't a situation like um, you know if this was involved with the, the university, this is something that you could you could FOIA, you know, in terms of it being public information. But that's not necessarily the case with NIL, and that's what's, I think, so, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, frustrating, interesting about it is that there's not sort of one place that you can go to to get reliable information on this. And so that's why you have, even at SEC Media Days here this week, you've got, you know, Nick Saban kind of uh, boasting about the, the millions that his players have gotten. And you've got Kirby Smart at Georgia saying, yeah, you know, when you're the national champs, you, you get all kinds of NIL activity. And so... You know, in a lot of ways, it, I think it's going to come down to sort of, uh, you know, the, the the proof being in the pudding, so to speak, which is, you know, where do the recruits go? So I think that's maybe the interesting part is we we have seen recruiting turn the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years. What changes now with NIL? Does that make the teams at the top stronger because of the passion there? Does the, or, or does that spread out the talent a little bit more because there's more for a, a top prospect to consider beyond just playing time or, or just going to the NFL and being developed. Like there's, there's a, a financial consideration there. And so I think through the first year, the, the numbers and the evidence would suggest that it is spreading out the talent at least a little bit more. I mean, you can even just look at Nebraska's examples and, and you wonder, you know, with, with NIL not being a factor, do they get Oshan Mathis out of the portal? Do they get Casey Thompson out of the portal? Um, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. It seems like it was more likely that they did because of the NIL considerations. And certainly from Nebraska's perspective, too, if, uh, if you can have another way to leverage the fan passion and, and, and the fan base that's followed this team forever, which has always been something distinct to Nebraska, then that's probably a good thing for the program too. So we're still just a year in. There's there's a lot of uh, you know unknowns yet to be decided. There's probably going to be some sort of uniform rule at some point in the future, whether that's a year from now or five years from now. Uh, but at this point, I think it's safe to say, at least from Nebraska's perspective, that it's probably helping their cause. And do you think these, uh, I mean, this, this Big Red fan club, um, It's it looks similar to, you know, what you're seeing, like an Iowa, Iowa City's kind of got something going on with Iowa. No, Michigan State has, you know, it looks like a lot of people are kind of picking up this sort of idea to have fans subscribe and then get access to players. Um, how... How do player like how did the the process go of the players being selected here? Because I, as I saw the list, I don't remember exactly how many it was. It was like it seemed like twenty five guys or something like that. But were do you think most of the Husker players were offered and had a chance to either jump in or turn it down, or, or how do you think that selection went? Yeah, I mean, my understanding talking with one of the co-founders was they reached out to one of the walk-ons on the team, Elliot Brown, who's a, a receiver from the from Elkhorn. And he sort of put that opportunity out there to players. And that's what happens a lot of times with all sorts of NIL opportunities is you try to find a player or two on the team and then they can communicate to, to others. And, 
you know, to this point at least, there were 24 players that have accepted that opportunity with the Big Red Fan Club. That may grow over time. Um, you know, I don't think it was a deal where they were the only ones invited. I think it was an open invitation to the team, and those are the, were the ones who took part. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a different sort of setup, again, than ABM or some of the other bigger collectives because this is is something that the players sort of spearhead. So, um, you know, they're going to be creating videos or writing out online Q&As or, um, you know, setting up meet and greets or autograph sessions or, or different things like that. And so it, it's it's a little bit more, it takes a little bit more initiative from those players on the front end. So I think that's why, at least at this point, you see it's a smaller group than some of the other um, bigger elective or bigger collectives out there. Um, but again, like it's the sort of deal that's, it's really just kind of limited by your imagination. So whatever the players feel comfortable with, whatever the fans feel comfortable at, um, there's going to be sort of this feeling out process. And I think you'll probably see a lot of interactions um, that we really haven't even seen much of here in the first year of the NIL. Yeah, it's fascinating, and I like that you brought up, too, it seems like there's maybe a, a change in, like, when NIL first came over, it was like people were still, like, feeling like it was underhanded, so it's like, slyly trying to slide by and say, yeah, well, we didn't give them players this, there, you know, kind of that Texas A&M-Alabama feud you had a few weeks ago, and now, like you mentioned, uh, and I think three years from now, you're going to start bragging about the NIL opportunities you have and, and promoting that mm-hmm. instead. Um, do you think that this, you know, something like what they're doing here, the Big Red Fan Club, um, better represents what NIL is supposed to be about compared to the collectives, which is which is a lot of people have, have been starting to look down on um, because it, that's turned a little bit more into pay for play, you know, the transfer portal and even recruits as opposed to, you know, name, image and likeness opportunities for guys on campus. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, it's it it's certainly more organic, I suppose, at this point. Again, I mean, it was it was created by a couple of students and a walk-on player on the team and it's it is it's it's a sort of a of a natural connecting point between fans and players and again like with something like this the activity is the primary thing like if you're a fan and you're going to spend however many hundreds of dollars on a fan pass like you want something in return for that right you want to meet the player you want to get a photo you want to uh, have some kind of an experience or a memory that's created from that whereas with some of the bigger booster-funded electives, uh, collectives, I should say, the the activity is, is sort of secondary, right? Like you're, it's about putting the money in there, um, making it known to recruits, maybe uh, making it known to existing players, and then those players do something, whether that's some sort of an interview, whether that's you know whatever it is, uh, you know that's not, it's, it's not super important to the businesses in most cases. Now sometimes you know maybe those players would be wanted for endorsements or or different things like that. But more often than not, those bigger collectives are just about getting the money in the players' hands. How do you do that? So I would agree that the Big Red Collective, or Big, Big Red Fan Club, all these terms are running together here, uh, <laughs> is, is more of, a, of an emphasis on that connection between fan and player. Evan, before we let you go, I did want to ask you, too, about not so much Pat Narduzzi's comments because they were just kind of strange altogether, Mm. but I guess the overall concern that comes out of it for some fans um, that you might see uh, too much of a pass-happy offense, what do you expect the offense to look like? Do you expect it to be um, more pass than run this upcoming year under Mark Whipple? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I do, but I wouldn't say it's going to be 
super exaggerated that way. I mean, I, I think the numbers sort of bear that out with what he did at Pitt. Even last year, I want to say it was eh, 55-45 split, somewhere, something like that in favor of the pass. And, you know, like, again, it's, it's one thing if you're forcing the ball with a guy who's maybe not equipped for it. It's another thing if you have a Heisman Trophy contender and you, you put the ball in his hands to make plays. And I think that's a big part of what it was at Pitt. Um, you know, certainly Whipple has a history at some of his other stops as well of throwing the football. But, you know, again, you could be creative in that. And, and I think his history would show that he's adapted and changed his game over the years. It doesn't all have to be, you know, deep shots downfield, which, you know, by the way, is, is kind of what Nebraska has been the last few years in its passing game. Um, you know, I, I think if you can get creative with some intermediate sort of routes, maybe some slants. Uh, that's that's the kind of thing we haven't seen a lot of at Nebraska in recent years. So if you can incorporate that, um, I think that would be a plus. Some of the, the players that they brought in to be slot receivers, um, you know, there are a lot of guys now who, who aren't just strictly edge or, or X sort of receivers, but they are going to be threats over the middle too. So I think you're just going to see more diversity. It'll probably show up on the stat sheet as being a little more slanted heavily toward the past than what Nebraska's had in the past. But again, I think you would take that exchange if that means fixing some of the other things that have ailed Nebraska's offense, you know, maybe most notably success in the red zone. If you can get down into the red zone and, and get those touchdowns or get points, avoid the crucial turnovers, then I can stump more of a pass heavy game maybe than do. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Thank you today for joining us, Evan. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, there he goes, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. We will uh, continue our countdown uh, as we get towards Big Ten Media Days. Uh, we've only got two days left, so we're going to have to do Wisconsin and Iowa on Monday. But today Ooh. we have Michigan, which a lot of people predict, uh, of all the games, uh, to be the most likely that Nebraska loses. So we'll break down the Wolverines coming up next here on the Ticket Water Cooler, 93.7 The Ticket. <laughs> 